welcome to Kasama's Rise Up. I'm so excited to do this again and to really because this series of sakadas is something really special within this podcast and I wanted to really create such a sacred space. And without further said, um I wanted to really start this podcast um regrounding and bringing our ancestors alongside so with your guess um i have with me demaliza sagara saramosing and i wanted to ask you demi who are you bringing in this secret space who am i bringing in today so hello everybody my name is demaliza or demi and today uh when you just asked me that question i think the first person that came to mind is my paternal grandmother her name is um mama demishana and uh you know i was named after her so i'm really thinking about her and wanting to bring her into this space today that's that's awesome and i i feel like she is here with with you right now and um you just saying yes and sharing your story and sharing your stories of the memories that you remember your parents telling you about your grandpa your grandfather your grandparents um specifically i think that this is what will kind of really set the tone for this story your narrative um with that said um this podcast is a little bit different than what you normally hear um because i did want to set the tone of really going back to um our history and our roots um for those of you who may not know um i knew demi during the pandemic the kickstart of the pandemic um i known her through professor rod and a lot of the different acad- academics and she is someone who i think exudes a lot of um confidence and has a lot to share and i feel like if any you can have the opportunity to work with her especially in kind of embracing their own identity i think they can learn a lot from her a lot um so to give a brief background um she graduated from Farrington High School in 2010 and she was the first person in her family to attend college so a lot of expectation as an middle middle child I'm the eldest eldest yeah no that's okay <laughs> eldest child um she's currently a PhD candidate in University of Minnesota um as an American in American Studies program and uh, located in occupied Dakota homelands while conducting field work for her dissertation project um right now um Damaliza te- um taught the Filipinos in Hawaii Uh, for the first time actually this past semester so congratulations to Demi because I know that's a big part of her heart um let's give oh, a little round of applause oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh, <laughs> so we're in this new studio so it's really cool how there's applause yeah. oh my goodness how And, fancy <laughs> yeah so um with that said I want to turn the mic to you Demi Um since we did this recording back in I think it was last year. Oh yeah, it was last, maybe. And some of the questions and answers may have changed. So right now, what title would you call the season of your life? Mm. 
um for this season i want to call it my year of intention so just being very intentional with how i move through the world with the kind of relationships i want to form with my own kind of self-healing and collective healing so i just want to move through this year with intention I think, and I remember that was the same answer that you shared last time, and I, I give really grace to that because I've seen you and you've seen me, and there's a lot of changes along yeah, the way, for sure. and I think the fact that this word means, like, it really grounded you to the fact that it's still your word, till this day. Yeah. No. Um. I think it. You know, every at the beginning of each year, I kind of try to start off with a word to ground me, to guide me, because, you know, as you said, as we move through life, it gets hard. It gets difficult. We go off track. So um, I I just really found intention, the right word for this year. Yeah. And to transition off to the next question is, and I think this will kind of like... <coughs> lead into um more deeper question but were there parts um growing up especially here in hawaii where you were kind of ashamed to call yourself a filipino yeah so oh it's it's always this question that gets me in my feels but Yes, there was a time in my life and, you know, at a very young age where, um, you know, when you're young, you're trying to figure out who you are and um, learn about your place in the world. And yes, my experience has been that um, when I was younger, I was I felt very ashamed of being Filipino. And there was a point in my life where I was just self-hating and I just wanted to distance myself from my culture and identity. What were the kind of triggering moments when you, that really, um, not triggering, but what was the pinpoint where you noticed that um, being Filipino was not something you want to call yourself? Mm. Um... To answer your question, I, I do want to talk before I get into the whole, like, how I self-hated and stuff. Um, you know, um, I think the last time when we talked story, I talked about how um, I received a lot of conflicting messages growing up, trying to figure out, you know, who I am. And um, there were times when there was pride, right? You know, from the, the food to being cared for by, um, you know, a- adults, like, not just my parents, but my neighbors in the community I lived in in Kalihi uh you know there there was like that kind of home homeliness and and pride there was also uh you know my my dad was very involved with the Filipino community and got me into pageantry so um you know I was exposed to like Filipino dance and dress and that was like through the UFCH the United Filipino Commerce of Hawaii and I did enjoy those experiences, but at the same time, I was receiving a lot of mixed messages about, you know, not wanting to identify as Filipino. Mm-hmm. And um, 
maybe that came in a lot more in middle and high school. Um, I, I think that's very, it resonates with a lot of people's experiences where, you know, you're, you're trying to fit in. And, um, you know, during my time, you know, back then, right? Like this is 2000s. Um, you know, well, okay. You had like Jasmine Trias and you had Forte and all of these like amazing pinnies. But at the same time, you had people say like, it's not cool to be Filipino. Um, it just wasn't cool. You don't want to sound fob, you know, uh, fob is like you know fresh off fresh off the boat and you wanted to fit in you wanted to um you know get into like the fashion trends and um all of the things that were trending at that time and you know every time people talked about filipino language it's like oh you know don't learn that you're gonna sound like those who just recently immigrated here Mm -hmm. um you're gonna be ostracized or you're gonna be teased and at that time, you know, I, d- I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, th- that was like one part that was conflicting. But there there were just so many messages, right? Like as a young Pinai where, um, you know, you're being told like, oh, you are, um, you know, don't be don't be fob. Don't learn your language. Uh, you know, you know, be skinny and sexy, you know, because I was in the pageantry and all that kind of stuff. But then you also had um, people also shame you for your own like sexuality. Like, oh, you know, you you got to be, you know, skinny, sexy. But at the same time, don't be a slut. <laughs> don't spread your legs. Um, you know, I also had the kinds of uh, conflicting messages about me being from Kalihi. Like, don't be a dumb Kalihi kid. Um, so it it was like all of these things that attributed to my shameness of you know who I am um the body I'm in um you know I needed to look a certain way like for a lot of Filipinas like it's always our skin you need to um you need you need to be lighter and for me you know while my my parents had um you you know put me in these like pageantry or like Filipino spaces they also made me wear a jacket every single day (laughs) in Hawaii and that really got to me um so yeah I, I would just have to end with it was all mixed messaging <laughs> i honestly like just listening to you and like like seeing like how there's a sudden shift from now to before and i can really see that a huge part of this is because we didn't know our history and sometimes when you don't know your history you don't know yourself so you begin to really self-hate you really begin to self-doubt and you begin to go into different avenues um different stages of your life like different eras a lot of people had those east asian phase Mm. those emo phase and different phases just because they didn't really like i don't want to if there's like they don't want to get afraid of something that's seen as um Right. And um, to go back to that, because (laughs) it's funny because I I actually teach about pop culture and I actually um, there are there are parts of it where I I find it very generative and Mm -hmm. I do think we need to engage it. And at the same time, um, I do remember, you know, during my time, it was like very punk um, pop rock era and people did want to look like 
for me, it was like Haley Williams with Paramore. But um, I always tell people that I try to blend like Haley Williams with um, Japanese hairstyle or anime culture. So you saw a lot of that back in the 2000s at Farrington, at least. Um, everyone had the same hairstyle. I feel like there's this ongoing joke with some people that they would all get their hair cut done by my tan. <laughs> if you're from Kalihi, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, but... um. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there, there was that one part, right, where it's like, I, I was like self hating, and I did find my myself um, wanting to get more involved with, you know, like punk and pop, pop culture. You know, it, it was also like hip hop and R and B during that time. So a lot of Usher, a lot of Beyonce <laughs> and Destiny's Child. So, um, I do feel like there is value in that and you know it allows filipinos to express um yourself more freely so uh but i feel like it would have been a lot more empowering if i did love myself better while listening to beyonce yeah and honestly like now that i look back at it now that you like sharing your story like i think there is a lot of connections why now you see a huge like oh i didn't know this person was filipino like i used to listen to them or i used to like um i thought there were this um so it is part of it is like understanding and really knowing like who you are um at the end of the day um and i think this is important to really looking at your story because it helps you realize and for those listening that um you are if you're struggling in like your identity, if you're struggling in mental health or self-identity, um, it's part of it is um, really being patient. And I think um, what it I took a lot of like, undoing a lot of and um, unlearning. Yeah. Um, I do want to share this because um, it, this is a very personal story, but at the same time, I think it might help others. But, um, you know, there was a point in my life in high school where, you know, I was like so in a way, you know, I had a happy life, but at the same time, um, you know, to be immersed in these mixed messaging, to feel like, oh, I hate myself. Um, you know, there was a time where I, I did send myself to the to the emergency room. Um, and, you know, like, like that, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But it got to the point where I ended up at the ER and, um, you know, my parents were disappointed and upset, but it was hard because they didn't understand why um i did what i did <laughs> uh and yeah I, I just feel like that was one of the reasons why i had to move away because um there was some kind of like self-hate in me that i couldn't get rid of if i had stayed in hawaii i get that and i think that's really important and thank you for sharing and i know it's not easy and i feel like it had to come out because if someone listening and heard that um, I feel like it would also help them kind of like wait I'm also going through that but th this is why I had to like just not escape but just go to where I need to be planted mm -hmm. yeah um, absolutely and I feel like as you move on through life there are going to be places you go to mm -hmm where, um, you know, it'll help grow you in a lot of ways. And 
um i think i told you before but uh <laughs> i you know i i when i wanted to go to um, the continent to oregon for my undergrad years i just really did not want to do anything with being filipino mm-hmm. um i really wanted to blend in i wanted to be white <laughs> and you know that's the story for a lot of people but for me i thought i could do it and then i realized that you know i had some well-meaning white friends who you know they would go out with me to go party but they would always never let me forget that i was different from them mm-hmm. like they would always be at um introducing me at parties to be like look look at my brown hawaiian friend and i'd have to turn to them to be like i'm not hawaiian <laughs> um but yeah like that like being in oregon in a predominantly white institution at the university of oregon was very difficult and you know jarring and at the same time it helped grow me and to help draw me closer to my culture that i was trying to run away from i think the code theory does stand like what makes the heart grow fonder really does click because the more that you want to get away from something it does pushes you to come back yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and i think we can go um um, in a different question because I feel like it's gonna hit a little bit but um, I I want to ask this next question and I think it will kind of hit some parts that you already mentioned but I feel like it's a little bit still um, trying to uncover a little bit parts of you like a chapter book mm. um, but how would you say now um, from now till before how do you say that you understand your own uh, Filipino culture and identity and what pa- what part still fascinates you fascinates mm, you that's a very good question Chachi um it, so so you want me to compare like how it is now oh okay so right now I'm very much solid in who I am my Filipino identity um I think I've had mentioned before that my parents did always bring me up as Bisaya and I didn't, I never really knew what that meant. And I felt like, personally, I felt like in a way it was hard for me to understand who I was as a Visayan person because in Hawaii, I'm immersed in a sea of um, Ilocano community. And it wasn't a bad thing because I have a lot of Ilocano friends mm-hmm. and I learned so much from their cultures. And, um, you know, in Kalihi, I was taken care of by a lot of. Um, you know the parents and we took care of each other as kids raising kids in Kalihi but it was really hard for me to try to delve into not just being Filipino but also being Visayan so um, you know 12 years have passed and I've I've been through a lot of different experiences being on the continent where um, it allowed me to explore and deepen my understanding of who I am as a Bisayan woman, as a Pinay. I will say that, you know, I was involved with, um, you know, Filipino cultural clubs at the University of Oregon. Um, I served on their leadership team for three years and my last year being uh, the co-director of University of Oregon's Cultura Pilipinas. And, um, you know, that allowed me to connect with other Filipinos in different parts of the diaspora. Um, And... It's funny because I don't know if I told you this, but I chose the Filipino club versus um, the, Hawaii, the Hawaii club at at um, University of Oregon. Oh, kidding. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, because, um, and, you know, like I have 
nothing bad to say about um, folks in Hawaii Club. And I did make friends and there were people who outreached to me, you know, since we're from Hawaii and, you know, we were able to um, spend time together, be friends. But I will say my, my first time going to Hawaii Club meeting, I was very intimidated because as a public school girl, um, you know, I went to Farrington High School. I'm from Kalihi. And being in Hawaii Club, I was surrounded by folks from Punoho or um, Kamehameha or Iolani. And, you know, I I do feel like um, growing up in Kalihi, there's, there's always this understanding that people out on the outside might, you know, look at you as like low educated and all of that stuff. And people already had their own cliques mm-hmm. in Hawaii Club. And, you know, I, I felt like I... I couldn't fit in right away, but I found a bit of home with the Filipino club at University of Oregon. So, um, you know, that experience really helped, you know, really helped touch my heart to learn more about myself, but care about the Filipinos around me. So, um, you know, there's experiences that that's like, you know, one experience that I really hold dear to my own identity formation, but I, I will say now um, I'm a little bit more solid in who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been back to the Philippines for my grandparents' funeral, and I still want to keep up that connection. Uh, I have family in, you know, the Visayas region and in Mindanao. And, um, you know, I'm constantly trying to deepen what that means for me and how I can always, like, you know, bring that part of me here in Hawaii. Uh, whether it's like through talking more story with my parents Again, like going back to our conversation and like like our <coughs> formation is like if you don't know really um your history yet and mm-hmm. you're still that there's parts of like the even kevin nadal like his six five stages of um philippinex american model there's different stages hmm. um and part of it i think now where the filipino community is especially here in hawaii we're at the first stage. We're still getting over that assimilation part and, like, our parents being migrant workers. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think there needs to be a lot of changes. Um, <laughs> and it's especially, like, how um, the system has been set up here in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just, yeah, teaching the Filipinos in Hawaii, in Hawaii class, we talk about how, like, you know, the plantation really set up this racial hierarchy um on stolen aina so uh and you know where filipinos fit on that so there's a lot of like systemic changes that need to happen but you know we have people like you who (laughs) (laughs) yeah we have we have there's so many people that um inspire the both of us and you know we're moving forward and just trying to dismantle as we go and create different kind of futures that's that's really true and i think part of it is like the more it's easy to learn but what's hard is unlearning because mm-hmm. it's like you're ripping up a bandage. It's like, I can't believe like that's not like true or I can't believe like why. And there's always, and when I'm like in this like Filipino space um, of like Filip- um, older Filipinos, there are still those who have a hard time trying to unlearn some mm-hmm. parts of the most dark oh, yeah. culture, the dark history of Filipinos. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I do think it takes time because, you know, with um, 
how the Americanization process of the education system happened in the Philippines and how that's related to here. Um, there's a lot of undoing, yeah? Um, it, I guess like through our own K through 12 system, we, we never learned about our Filipino um, history, the, the histories of colonialism, um, culture. So, you know, we, we just need a lot more people power to get our history in the classroom. Mm-hmm especially in hawaii there's choke filipinos here <laughs> there is yeah so um you know just even like what what you know how do you deal with your your parents how do you deal with your family um who is you know they're a lot of times like they're on survival mode you know um but you know it's, it's that it's having that patience and being able to grow with your parents or grow with your family and having the hope that you know what your own processes like can you know shape them and maybe like inspire them to reclaim who they are yeah definitely and i feel like with um kind of jam-packing everything that you have said to once and i feel like a lot of the reason why and it's also graduation season right now and a lot of our high school seniors and majority of them um that i can know that are filipino a lot of them are moving out and it's because they do want to grow and mm. as much as they want to learn about and embrace their Filipino identity here, it's a little bit harder when they have parents that work two to three jobs. And when you talk about um, anything Filipino history related, it's kind of hard to kind of like kick into them because it's like, oh, um, why, what are you learning? Like, this is what I learned when I was in the Philippines. It's like mm. those two culture differences. Mm. And that's why, like what you said, like, we have to leave in order to give us this sense of perse- perspective um and i think that's where a lot of filipino who are go- uh, filipino youth who are going away yeah and i you know because i i went away i, I do support um you know leaving home for a bit mm-hmm. uh, just because it'll help you grow and you know realize and you know unlearn and relearn who you are um, I, I will say that, you know, even though, like, you know, I, I love my parents so much yeah. and we've been on a journey. So the last, um, decade, it when I first like learned more about reclaiming my culture, I did have a lot of anger in me. So, um, we did have a lot of conversations like me and my parents and my sisters. It has been an ongoing thing. And I do feel like we're at this point where, my parents could understand me a little bit more now um but it's a process and you know like I'm not saying like oh you need to distance yourself forever I mean you could do that and at the same time um I feel like for me at least I I I wanted to still work with my family and you know just make the healing happen not just for me but you know for for them and our um, ancestors and future descendants so it just has to start <laughs> yeah exactly and I think you it's really well said right there it's just like it looks different on everyone but it's also giving grace to yourself and not being too hard yeah and accepting like whatever happens it's it's really um <clears throat> and it's my favorite this is a one of the sign word it's like like oh. it's always it'll happen when it will happen 
I love that. I, I learned about that recently from my cousins in the Philippines. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. Um, just, yeah, let it happen. Um, keep going on. Padayon. <laughs> yeah, padayon. <laughs> yeah. I guess a little side fact for anyone listening is like, I like, I love the language of Cebuano and mm-hmm. Visaya so much. Um, it's so beautiful and um, not much, th- I not giving discredit to my mother tongue of Ilocano, but it's just... Bisaya Cebuano um, has a lot of kind of like deep meanings. Oh, that's so awesome. Yes, we could learn together and, you know, just we'll share with one another <laughs> more and more. Um, yeah, I learned a lot about like, you know, Ilocano values too. Um, like, you know, really like delving into your Nakam or your soul consciousness. Um, like that, that really opened my eyes to see like the beauty of uh filipino values and language so yeah yeah we're dismantling a lot of the western values and really bringing in like our collective our soulful like values together um i know you brought up like reclaiming reclaiming your identity um but like as a solid um rebuilding it again what does it mean for you to reclaim your filipino identity Mm. I feel like for me, reclaiming um, has to do a lot with, um, you know, learning more intentionally about um, Visayan values and culture. But I also want to say that reclaiming for me doesn't mean um, trying to achieve an authentic identity because I don't believe in, you know, authenticity (laughs) or this idea of like, oh, there's one authentic culture. Um, for me, um, because of like my my own family history and what I study and what I see, I do believe that um, reclaiming means to note that culture is ever changing, and um, you know to like being able to merge like you know my Visayan values with what I love today. Like, is there a way that I could use my Visayan values and culture to um, like put it in like let's say uh the western practice of theater you know um for me like i'm i'm totally into like cultural blending and um it's gonna look very different for different people so um reclaiming identity and culture is you know being able to learn more about my identity and at the same time being open to um the different venues and how it can change and shift like the ocean it is and i i love the concept of ocean because ocean is very like even metaphorically um it's something that changes it has these high tides low low tides um it can get chaotic Mm. but Mm -hmm. you just have to keep still in that boat and it's so awesome that you bring that up because i know you just released um you um professor rod and catherine um a book or uh, not book but a, a journal through the uc davis bulasan center um i wanted to kind of give a little time or kind of like you know like in a book like a section on that because mm. i feel like it's so important for you to talk about it because i know it wasn't easy yeah no thank you so much um yes so everybody go check out the alan 
um, the online journal for Filipinx, American, and Diasporic Studies. We released a special issue called Towards an Oceanic Filipinx Studies. We just released part one, and it is um, more specifically place-based specific to Hawaii. So um, uh, what me, Professor Rod, and Catherine Atricoso did was we got um, you know Filipino scholars, activists, artists together to um, you know write about you know what is this like Filipino experience here in Hawaii, you know what are the systems that shaped these experiences, um, you know how are people um, trying to de- decolonize their identities while also um, making sure that we are in good relation with Kanaka Maoli and other black and brown people that are here in Hawaii. How do we decolonize together? Um, how do we use our cultures, our knowledges, um, our cosmologies? How do we use all of this to um, you know, find a better and just future for all of us in Hawaii? So um, please go check it out. And thank you so much for allowing this space to, for me to talk about that. It's really important, especially because um, I know when you were in the works of um, really getting the journals out there, getting all the writers, it wasn't easy. And there's a lot of different people that um, really was part of this project that built this narrative. And I think we'll continue to keep building the narrative. And I can't wait for part two. Um, But a lot of like the forums of and the topics that was in the Allen Journal and I think one that I I think that stick a lot when I was kind of reading to the Allen Journal it was the section on um, the and wait it was like don't get out of the sun oh um, yeah it was that webinar um, and I think that was the one um that really like sticked the most because I feel like that's the one that um, I can relate the most. Um, it really showed that a lot of our Filipino community has undergone through a lot of um, colorism, like mm-hmm. even if they know it or not. Um, there's like deep, like really embedded anti-blackness um, that we don't talk about, um, especially at the dinner table. Mm. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like I'm I'm glad that you really found that part um the webinar impactful. Um and just to mention, we launched that webinar um you know after like the George Floyd uprisings were happening, right? Like you know, um uh, if we're talking about like police brutality and anti-blackness on the continent and you know at Minnesota, mm-hmm. what does that conversation look like in the context of Hawaii where um you know, you did have the technologies of anti-indigeneity and anti-blackness inform our colonization in the Philippines, but um, it it definitely shapes our experiences here in Hawaii. And we want to do get to the point where we can, you know, delve into that history because mm-hmm. um, colorism is part of that for sure. Um, and, you know, like how do we unlearn and dismantle, um, you know, anti-blackness in our community and you know how do we how do we heal how do we bring justice not just for ourselves but for black people here in hawaii too yeah. i i agree and i think a really great way to kind of like um kind of tie it in is this quote that i read from 
uh, my favorite um, psychologist. Mm. Um, uh, her name is Kate Torres. Um, is to decolonize is to to kiss my brown skin, mm. and all the wounds and stories that reside underneath to kiss them longer than any mouth I've ever tasted. Wow, that's really powerful. Yeah, uh, I wanted to share that. I felt called to share that because I I saw that before we were gonna do the recording, and I think it kind of like, um, really tie into your narrative a little bit, um, especially because, um. Decolon- the process of decolonization, the process of getting to know our identity, is never is never gonna be easy. Like what you said, like there's a lot of tears, there's a lot of t- mm. um, tissues on the floor, because part of it it's it's messy, and that's our identity. <sighs> it is messy. Yeah, there's a lot of deep crying and wailing, and you know just swearing, and um, we need to go through that process. Um, in order to, you know, do the hard work and decolonizing. But, yeah, that's that's the journey. It is. And I think that's part of, like, just breaking that chain mm-hmm. um, and to setting our ourselves free. Um, and now that we kind of, like, reach to this point, I do want to go back into um, another mm-hmm. section. Yeah. And it's one of the... Um, the section that that started the conversation is um, looking back to where you are now and looking back to everything that we've learned or have learned about yourself um, how um, learning about um, your Sakata history mm. um, how what can you kind of say um, I guess what can you kind of like learn about um like going through like your history and your identity formation, your entire metamorphosis journey, um, and knowing that you're a, um, you are you have a Sakata lineage, um, thinking about your grandparents and what they've run through, um, do you want to talk a little bit about your uh, grandparents? Yeah, I could talk about what I know because yeah. I'm still exploring what that means, um, and I didn't realize that I was a Sakata descendant until later in my life when I started asking family questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do know is it was my great great grandparents who um, worked at Sakata in the Eva plantation, and um, you know that was probably in you know, the 19, 1910s, 1920s, um, and you know like they had so they had children um, in the plantation and. Um, well, they had children, and then their children had children in the plantation. But for my family, um, what had what had happened was that you know my grandpa um, on my father's side he had uh, he was born and raised in Hawaii, but my my paternal family they went back to the Philippines um, at the height of World War II, and um, they stayed there. So that's why my dad was you know born and raised in Mindanao. And um, because of, you know, the wars that were happening because of um, Ferdinand Marcos, Marcos's resettlement policies in Mindanao, my, you know, my, my, pater- my paternal family had to come back to Hawaii, you know, because if they hadn't, they'd probably get killed. <laughs> and I think learning about this history more recently, I feel there's like a a fire in my soul and I do feel like that's my ancestors talking to me where um you know 
my ancestors and so many other Filipinos, um, they went through a lot of stuff, <laughs> you know, and I feel like my ancestors were not able to rest. They were not able to like stay in one place because the U.S. and Filipino um, Philippine empires wouldn't let them rest. <laughs> and I think that's why I have so much fire today and why I, you know, continue to do the work that I do being a descendant of Sakata and, um, you know, wanting justice for not just Filipinos in Hawaii, but, you know, for Kanaka, for everybody here, um, because we cannot have this go on anymore. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think right there, like, I, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there, um, especially with all of the region, our hearts, and a lot of us still going through that healing on our own um and part of it is like as we heal ourselves in a quiet space as we heal as we begin to collectively heal we can we can kind of change the system Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i think yeah i think later on um now that i'm (laughs) in my 30s that has been coming into perspective a bit more because um you know I had a lot of fire back then but I do realize that you cannot burn out you can't always be um like putting so much energy out there you do need to rest for yourself and um going back to what I was saying my ancestors like you know they worked the plantation they they had to evade so many wars (laughs) and um they weren't allowed to rest but you know for for us we need to rest we need to rest, um, you know, while we struggle and fight and um, build community. Uh, yeah, so it, it's a it's a push and pull thing, but we just got to make sure to take care of ourselves because we're taking care of our ancestors and descendants. Going with that rest, we're going to take a two-minute intermission. Yes. Is that a heart? <laughs> That's a heartbeat. Yeah. And we're back! Um, at the last straw, um, really wanted to kind of honor the time of like press and giving space to just breathe. Um, I wanted to kind of end off this narrative and this story, um, just reflection within ourselves and within asking through Demi. Um, is there any advice that you would like to give your own 12 year old middle school selves? Mm. I would just tell my middle school self that, you know, I'm perfect the way I am, Mm -hmm. that I am loved. Um, Don't don't listen to all the negative stuff that society will tell you about yourself or other people. Um, Just just know that you're loved. Yeah. And is there going kind of deeper um and because i started the podcast with grounding and bringing your ancestors in what do you think your lelong would tell you right now i think she would tell me that she's proud of me um she didn't get the opportunity to get an education in the philippines uh and my dad would say that she would wait on the side of the road and watch all the kids go to school while she couldn't go to school. So then she would cry. So, you know, the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm here standing up for my ancestors, for Filipinos in Hawaii, in the Philippines, and in, in the diaspora, mm-hmm. I think she would be proud of me. 
and especially how you know I got my education to do that work and last but not least uh, certainly not the least um, and this is a little light to end the podcast with is describe your personality in a Filipino food oh gosh <laughs> see like <laughs> we did it the last the, the last episode I don't know if that was better but I will say uh, I, the last time I said this I said it was kini lao mm-hmm. and you know um, what was it it said tangy uh, gosh do you have written that somewhere <laughs> I did you did say tangy and that it was the way your dad would make it yes yes kini lao is so good there you go peace <laughs> <laughs> I never had fish kina- kini lao really no I did not so oh honestly, when gosh. you were describing it before I was just like what is that I need to try it cause I tried kini lao but not fish what okay yeah um I gotta find a place, but maybe we can make it. Um, but yeah, to me, it's like so, it's so big in like the Visayan mm-hmm. community. And maybe it's because, you know, we're surrounded by a lot of water in the Visayas region. So, yes, we will find a place and we will eat Kinilao and it'll be awesome, Chachi. Yes. <laughs> and why does it remind you of your personality? Um, because, what is it? I don't know, like tangy because you never really expect it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have like some lime juice in there and, you know, you, you might like take a bite and not expect it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I guess like it is part of like the, yeah, it's just that interesting kind of <laughs> vibe to my personality. Like you, you never expect what I'm going to say next or something. <laughs> and... I think for those of those listening, kinilao is basically like a cube raw fish tossed with vinegar. So anything with vinegar. Yes. Look, my dad makes it with a lot of vinegar and a lot of calamansi. Just like a lot of citrus. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, and then other than that, um, the last part of the podcast is um, what would you like to share on this podcast? Anything else that has not been said? Um, and this is where I use the heartbeat because <laughs> it's a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I like that effect. Um, I feel like my last messaging is, um, you know, we need more Filipino Hawaii narratives out there. We need more creatives. We need more folks like um, learning about their history. So we need to create the structures that can support that learning. And, yeah, we just need more stories out there. So, yes, uh, Filipinos in Hawaii, rise up. Yes, Yes. Filipinos, exactly. Um, And once we really put our stories out there, because a lot of the stories are not said Mm. because of, like, um, maybe there's parts of our history that we don't want to say because of politics. Mm. but at the same time, there are the right people out there to share your stories to. Um, and this is just one of them. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> um, before we close, um, I wanted to end this podcast with a meditation mm-hmm. because there was a lot. And <laughs> I wanted to kind of set it in a way where we feel kind of um, grounded and ready to take on the day. 
um so anyone that's listening right now um i just want you to close your eyes and to find a comfortable position visualize before you, you as i um mentioned this mantra Take a deep breath, inhale, and exhale. Inhale, and exhale. I am alive. I am free. I am capable. I am strong. I am alive. I am free. I am capable. And I am strong. Slowly open your eyes and say the mantras out loud. I am alive. I am free. I'm capable. I'm strong. I'm alive. I'm free. I'm capable. I am strong. Close your eyes again and visualize this energy flowing through your body. And with each mantra that's said um, aloud, Imagine yourself just being in the most carefree environment where you feel safe and belong. Um, so I am alive. I'm free. I'm capable. And I'm strong. Imagine yep, that place where you are right now. And use that energy to continue on with your day and your week and the months ahead because there's a reason why you're here um, but uh, yeah thank you chachi here let me can i do an applause for you oh yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! awesome yeah that's a little bit different that I've been adding into the podcast is a lot of grounding, a lot of meditation. And mm. just because mental health has been a big part of like um, this Filipino identity experience. Um, and I think that's that's where it begins, really. I love that. And 